Hello and welcome to Rare View, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew, and this is episode 14. If you listened to the last episode, you'll be expecting part two from my chat with Lee Walton. Well, wait no longer, we dive straight into it with his car ownership history. But I want to run through your car history. Oh, my word, yeah. <laughs> right, so you're, you're, you're a designer. Yeah. You, you understand good design. Yeah. You, you hope. You uh, have opinions on this, that's for sure, mm-hmm. uh, as, as one would hope. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, so what was your first car? Bear in uh, mind, we are going to judge you on each one of these. Yes. Now, <laughs> yes, you can, you can judge very much. I, I, I am ashamed of all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I guess the, the fun thing is this is where the petrol head thing comes in. So... Uh, I, I don't tend to buy my cars on the design of them so much. Occasionally, but mostly not. Um, this is where I bought my first car when I was 16, so uh, and I couldn't drive it. So I passed my test when I was still 17, but only just. So I bought my first car. It was a 1974 uh, Mini Clubman Estate. and. It was army tank. It was, uh, what's the name of the color? It was army tank green. It was just a horrible <laughs> olive. Oh, just an awful color. <laughs> and, uh, Very flattering for the lines. Yeah, and, and it had that fake wooden panel down the side with the chrome oh, right, around nice. it. Uh, you know, the, the square front end mini, the one everybody hates, the Clubman. Yeah. Uh, now I bought it, me and my twin brother, we bought it together. Well, my dad bought it, but it was together for us when we were 16. It was uh, full of holes and rust. We bought it for £250, and we basically re- rebuilt the entire body from filler <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and hand-spray-painted it, and we even bought cheap... Uh, fake wood roll of plastic, fake you know, uh, sticky back plastic, fake wood to redo the veneer down the side uh, for like one pound. Uh, it was ninety percent filler that car and fiberglass. Uh, and uh, I even uh, this is a bit cheeky, but we I was told luckily by someone that the MOT inspection is visual and they are not allowed to poke it with a screwdriver by law. And we had a hole in one of the rear uh, wheel arch strut, uh, the actual strut tower that the <laughs> suspension mounted to in the back of the Mini. Uh-huh. So there was a crack there and a hole. So what we did was put fiberglass on it. Uh, then we spray painted on the inside black and spray painted on the other side. So when they looked up and shone a torch, it looked like solid, right? Because we spray painted it black on the inside and it passed the MOT. Yes. Through smoke uh, and mirrors. And was completely uh, lethal, you know. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, that was my first car that I shared with my brother. So the first two cars I ever owned, I shared with my twin brother. And we used to – so I was desperate to drive this thing. You know, I owned it for a whole year, mm. uh, repairing it and getting it looking – it looked great, but it was all filler. And then uh, – <laughs> Uh, you know, passed my test and finally got to drive it. And, oh, man, I loved it. I loved that car. So much fun. Uh, 
we we once packed in four of four of my three of my friends, uh, four sets of golf clubs, and drove off to play golf from school. We bunked off some lesson in A levels and <laughs> went off to play golf for the day in this mini clubman estate with the little double doors on the back and oh, yeah, it was so cool. It, it wouldn't crack 60 miles per hour. It, it would do about 59 miles per hour if you were lucky. <laughs> and it had absolutely no brakes. So you had to use the gears to slow down. <laughs> uh, and I just loved it. Sounds like it. a proper first car. Ah, it was awesome. And, uh, green, you know, olive green, tank green, olive green vinyl interior. Uh, just hideous, but cracking fun. Amazing. So what did you move on to next then? So this is where you, you get the weird concept of me being a, 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 a driver. So so I was just obsessed with driving. This Mini, we used to just take it out every day and drive around and around in it. Um, see if we could get it sliding and bouncing. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I decided next I had to have rear-wheel drive. So... And me and my brother, we well, both... all the magazines say yeah, you because I'd been reading, proper driver. I'd been reading Car Magazine all my life at that point. And, <laughs> and front-wheel drive is evil. This is what Car Magazine tell you. So, so me and my brother said it must be real drive to, to our next car. Now, uh, in terms of insurance and price, this narrows things hugely. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, the, the, you, you can't go out and buy a... So the 635 CSI yeah, was what I scratched off the list. Insurance would have been, you know, <laughs> five figures. So uh, we, we, just hunted, we just hunted for anything we all drove, anything at all. And then I distinctly remember we, we, we were checking car magazine again. We're like, so what do car magazines say? We just have to have real drive. What do car magazines say? And they had a feature on Skoda uh, Rapid Coupe. Uh, so, so that was it. We we went to set, we went to look at two cars. We went to look at a Sierra Ford Sierra, uh, and it was an original like 1982 Sierra that some old guy had driven like 2,000 miles or something, and it was just like a fact a museum edition. It was just perfect. Uh, but the dealer selling it wanted too much money, so we, we walked away. And then we decided, right, we're going to spend a bit more money. And car magazines say, <laughs> this Skoda <laughs> is interesting, right? And, they, and it was always that joke, it's a 911 for, for, for no money, right? It's a Porsche 911. So we, we, we decided, right, we're going to get That was one of the jokes, anyway. Yeah, that was one of the jokes. <laughs> and, and me and my brother, you know, we thought... No, all that matters is real drive, and 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 that's what matters. And and also, it happened to be that we could go. We went to a Skoda dealer, and we bought a proper, you know, Skoda dealership secondhand. You know, one owner, uh, nineteen eighty eight. This was in nineteen ninety five. We bought this, mm. so it was very new, very low mileage dealer model Skoda Rapid. Not a spot of rust on it. It was immaculate, and it was. If I remember, it was 1,500 quid, I think, uh, a little bit high on our budget, but we managed to convince our dad to chip in because it was, we were like, it's a dealer it's fresh car. It's wheel drive. <laughs> well, he didn't mention that to dad, but <laughs> it's, like, it's, 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 it's from a dealer. It will have a warranty. 
and uh, yes. it's been so, looked after. And yeah, everything. it's been really looked after. So no we, filler. So that's what we bought. Yeah. Skoda Rapid, uh, Rapid One Thirty. It was beige. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, no, not beige, because Skoda did a couple of different brown colours. They did, they did beige, genuine beige. But this was a kind of uh, old cup of tea. Brownie, it was awful colour. Uh, it's hard to describe. <laughs> you know, like if you left a cup of tea for about a day. Yeah. Uh, it looked like that. And, uh, and it had a purple interior. So it was light. Wow, yeah. somebody spec that. No, I didn't. It was standard with the brown. It came with this brown colour. Oh, wow. So the interior is mostly black, but then the seat fronts rear front and back seats the front of them was this purple really deep purple color uh which to be fair it went quite well with the brown it looked quite good it it sounds strange saying it now um so that's what we bought and we went off to coventry university with that car because my brother my twin brother we both studied together at coventry mm-hmm. um and we took this car off to coventry and shared it and we had that pretty much all the way through our studies there. So we were known as so the Skoda guys. what was it guys. like to drive? It was awesome. It was awesome really? to drive. Honestly, it was so fast compared to the Mini because it could crack 90, 90 or so. Apparently. Uh, yeah, it had, uh, did it have, it had a fifth gear, I think. Yeah. But it, but it had the. All the mod cons. <laughs> yeah. Did it have brakes though? Yes, it had, it had disc brakes at the front. Oh, the novelty. <laughs> it was incredible. The disc brakes. <laughs> I was, oh, we were in heaven. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it had a standard fit radio. The mini didn't. It had, uh, but it, it was pretty civilized to be honest on a motorway. It would cruise rather nicely at 80. It, 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 it surprised us. Um, but the issue with it was uh, on the motorway with an empty trunk at the front. Well, Americanism there. Uh, I've lived in Finland too long. They don't know what a boot is. They have no clue what a boot is. Anyway, so so the front boot, it just has no weight. And it starts yeah. to wobble at speed in any crosswinds or it's terrible in crosswinds. Um but if you if you're if you're like packed and driving off to uni like we were, with stuff in the front, it was great. I mean, mm. with, with a load of with a decent amount of weight in the front of it, 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 it drove pretty good. Around with a bag of uh, gravel in the front. Well, yes. Funnily enough, we 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 got uh, embarrassingly into the Skoda thing, <laughs> um, uh, and I. This is another therapy session for me where I will admit I joined the Skoda Owners Club. Um, and uh, this got us cheap insurance. And the main reason we joined was we had heard that you could get uh, sport suspension kits, but they were only sold to members. <laughs> so, you know, you know, they didn't want this getting out that they were in any way exciting so oh, no. so we joined they can't have fun normal, those people those normal people that laugh at skoders they they can't have fun so when you're when once you're in the know once you're in the club there, there was this she's um, rolled up the correct trouser leg and done yeah, the right handshake it was it was kind of like that <laughs> um, we, we joke but it was pretty much like this you join the owners club you you find phone a guy that knows a guy and uh you're sent to this little lockup 
somewhere in Oxfordshire, I think it was. And a guy had sports springs, like lowered springs. Uh, yeah. And he would fit them really cheap. It was something like 100 quid he would do it. Uh, and, 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 and the trick was the, the owners had learned with the rapid coupe that you only lower the front because the issue with the rear engine and the soft front end, you just put these lowering springs in the front and it gives you sort of nose down attitude. And then the guy, the guy literally said, we took, him, took it to him and he did it in a day, swapped the springs at the front and we had these lower, stiffer springs put in at the front end. Mm. And then he said, right, the next thing you need is a bag of cement. <laughs> and he said, uh, you can even mix it up and let it set in the front. Like you put that in the front at the bottom of the trunk at, at the boot and you'll have a great handling car. <laughs> and uh, I, I never put the cement bag in cause we needed the, the luggage capacity basically. So we didn't go for that, but man, it was transformed that the steering was so much more positive. And, and when it had weight in the front, it was fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, it became a bit more like you could basically slide it by doing that 9-11, old, old 9-11 thing. You just tanked it as fast as you could towards a roundabout. Uh, you go at the roundabout, you dab the brakes a little bit, give it, give it a bit of a flick, like more than you need to, like steer into the roundabout more than you need to. And the back end would swing around. In the wet, this is don't do this in the dry. It's lethal. <laughs> but in the wet, you could you could get it. You could swing the back end round, and then all uh, eight uh, seventy horsepower or something. You could you could just about slide it uh, out of the. We used to do it. We used to set it up on the way to Coventry. There was a beautiful roundabout from birmingham my girlfriend used to at the time used to live in birmingham and i'd go on this roundabout into coventry gigantic thing and you could just about set it up to drift all the way into the exit of the roundabout <laughs> and and the site i'll never forget that because i did it on empty roundabouts but you'd always come out to the exit and people would spot you and you see these faces of a skoda coming sideways <laughs> off a roundabout and the faces the faces a beige Skoda coming at them with some lu- lunatic 19-year-old slide. Oh, man, it was such fun. <laughs> okay, so after you've scared the residents yeah. of Birmingham and Coventry, yeah. what did you move on to? <laughs> so while I was still at Coventry, the, the Skoda... Oh, I have another great story about... I spun the Skoda on the ring road at Coventry in the dry and nearly killed one of... Aston Martin's designers currently, you know, he wasn't at the time, he was a student, but I could have really spoiled the future of Aston Martin that day. Anyway, <laughs> so I nearly killed him and us going over the barrier, but never mind. We didn't hit the barrier. So, uh, yeah, so the Skoda was, you know, uh, really fun, but a little tricky on the limit there, in the dry in particular. Um, so what I did was, um, yeah, it died. It's a really sad story because it, it lasted a good five years. Uh, but of some quite hard abuse by the time. Yeah, and we really did abuse it, and it was very, very reliable. And it worked great in the winter, being Czechoslovakian or whatever. Yeah, Czech, and uh, it went through snow like you wouldn't believe it. It was fantastic in the winter, but then it then it died because they suffer. They have a weak head gasket because that's bored out engine. It's supposed to be right. one liter, and they bored it out to one point three. And so eventually, our our head gasket died, and. Uh, I think it was it was pretty terminal that 
it sounds it sounds minor, but what happens is the head cracks because it's an alloy head. And, right. and our Skoda owner club friends were like, oh, that's that's not <laughs> that's dead. <laughs> so <laughs> so it got left on my parents' driveway uh, for many years. So w- when I was in Coventry still, I'm still studying in Coventry, I needed a car. And this is where my twin brother and me, we decided, let's let's go our own ways. So the Skoda was the last car we shared. Uh, now, my brother went and found a Mini Clubman again, a Mini Clubman, but this, the normal Mini Clubman, not the estate, just a really nice orange Clubman, uh, which was oh, so unreliable. But anyway, <laughs> and then I carried on driving the Skoda a little bit until this head gasket thing went. And then I thought, right, that's scrap. So, and I've got no money. I'm still a student. I'm in debt. Uh, I had a look in the classifieds, and something popped out at me. And it was a 1972 Hillman, 1972 Hillman Avenger, and it jumped out at me because it was 130 pounds. And. <laughs> And I thought, okay, I think. Was I... there by any chance a reason it was a hundred thirty pounds? Yeah, so I, went, I went to look at this car, and yet there was a very, very clear reason it was a hundred and thirty pounds. <laughs> um, so, but the the thing that appealed to me uh, was it was tax free at the time, so so no tax, no road tax, mm-hmm. uh, you know, beer money, and it had an MOT, believe it or not. So. And and that was it for me, really. I, I didn't care. I mean, I, I went to see it, and it started, and it, it worked. So I said, I'll have it, definitely. It's mine. So I bought this Hillman Avenger, uh, a white one. And and the thing I really kind of enjoyed about that was it was built in Coventry at the Wrighton plant. And the guy I bought it from, uh, you know, I bought it in Coventry, and he... It had lived in Coventry its life, it, all of its life. It was born there and lived there, and uh, it was in a sorry state, very rusty. Uh, it, w- it was just safe enough to pass an MOT, and it was a 1.3, and it was the... It didn't even have a, have a model designation, you know? Like, it, it was just an Avenger. Mm. It, wasn't, it wasn't an L, and it wasn't a... Whatever the hell, I don't know what model designations Avengers had, but it had none. It was just an Avenger, and that meant it didn't have a rear window heater. It didn't have any wing mirrors. It didn't have any fog lights. It didn't. Ha- it was basically uh, four doors. You were fine driving forwards. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> it had a rear view mirror on the inside, which yeah. was handy. As long as it didn't mist up. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't have <laughs> any rear elements in the window because that was an optional extra, right? So uh, <laughs> no headrests, no radio, uh, and the heater was broken. So I had nice. Yeah, so it basically was an engine, uh, a bench seat, two bucket seats, and four wheels. Um, and I loved that car. It was awesome. And that would go sideways as soon as the slightest bit of rain came down. Because it must have I'm, I'm sensing there is a little theme yes, there's developing a, there's here. Yes, there's a theme uh, <laughs> of my youthful exuberance in driving, thanks to Car Magazine. You know, sideways is the way to go. Um, <laughs> and this Avenger, again, fit the bill because it was real drive and it weighed 
possibly 50 kilograms. I'm not really sure, but, um, you know, because it was made of mostly rust. So, uh, yeah, it didn't even have carpet because that was optional extra. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, I'm not kidding. No carpet. This is the epitome oh. of back-to-basic motoring. Yeah. You used to have to, in the winter, I had to scrape the ice on the inside oh, of, yes. of all the windows. Have been there, yeah, yes, which I that's did. A, that's, a, that's a really nice yeah. thing to have to go through. That is, which I did today. Actually, living in Finland always reminds me of those days. But you have to do that all the time in Finland. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I did that. So, um, how, how long did this? Um, the Avenger lasted on wheels. <laughs> that lasted. I did sixty thousand miles in that. Believe it or not. Um, wow. Yeah, incredible. I, it, when I was when I was driving it at Coventry, it it suddenly died one day. I was driving up a hill, and it just conked out, and and I had to get it on a truck, and I took it back to Coventry, and and I spent three months. I, I took the whole engine apart. I did the head gasket. I did, I did. Uh, a friend of mine did the carburetor reconditioned. We did everything, and it would not start, and we had no clue for three months. And then I discovered uh, by going to a scrapyard and looking at another carburetor from an Avenger that uh, half the carburetor was missing. It had just fallen off. The bottom of the carb had fallen onto the road and therefore petrol just went straight through it. And once I put another carb on, it just started instantly after three months of... So, so I put this other carburetor on, which was incredibly hard to find because my model, it was a very specific carburetor. And uh, I found that in, in some guy's house in Coventry, he had like a shed full of weird... Uh, and this was pre-internet age as well? Yes, yes. So I had to... Hunt so it's not like you just go, no, no, eBay, please. No, no. Imagine pre, pre-internet, I scoured classifieds. I found this guy who was listed as a junkyard. And then I went to the address and thought, this isn't right, because it's just some guy's house. And and not, rang his doorbell, his wife answers, and, he, and she's, you know, the wife has that look that says, her face just said, yes, my husband runs a junkyard from my house. <laughs> and, uh, so she said... And I hate you yes, as much as yes, I hate exactly. him. So, <laughs> so she, said, she said, go down the garden path to his shed. So I walked down the garden path, and there, his shed was this, like, aircraft hangar. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was completely full of every rare BMC, British Leyland thing you could imagine. And he had my carburetor for me. What a uh, wonderful man. Wonderful that's, man, that, yeah. That's one of those yeah. moments yeah. that you just love Britain. Yeah. Or, or, well, not, not, it's not Britain, but you love yeah. the enthusiast that goes... I must keep this stuff because this will be helpful. He looked just like Arkwright from Open All Hours as well. <laughs> Honestly, you couldn't make it up. Arkwright in overall. Anyway, I love that. You're, you're bringing back some great memories here. <laughs> so <laughs> so, and, and so what did you move on to? So from there, once I got it fixed, it ran for a couple of years. And I, my first job, I drove to work in it. I did a lot of mileage. Uh, but eventually, welding for MOT, it got the better of it. And I had a real job. At this point, I was driving to my first graduate job with a pretty good salary, actually, for a graduate job. So I thought driving a completely knackered Hillman Avenger was not that impressive. Uh, and, uh, and it did sort of die. So I thought, right, 
I'm going to get a loan and buy a real car. So <laughs> I got a loan because I don't like, uh, I like paying cash for cars. Mm-hmm. And again, I had criteria that it had to be real drive. Because as we all know, yeah, that's the only, that's way, to the drive only way to drive any car. And <laughs> it had to be cheap insurance again. I was still only... Are the side windows nice and big so when I'm going <laughs> exactly. sideways, I can see through them? Does it have a small wheel so I can catch the, you know, all of this? Elbows not hitting the, <laughs> the window. So I had this criteria and, and I remember I was looking at... Uh, I had a sort of short list of three. Uh, one was sensible. One, the other two were completely insane. <laughs> and, uh, so my sensible choice was a Toyota MR2. Mm-hmm. Which ni- one? I was looking at the, the 90s ones. Is the, the, the Mark slightly, II, the curvy one? Yeah, the Mark II, yeah, slightly curvy. So, so that was yeah. my sensible option, but they were a little bit expensive at the time. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to drop the price down a bit. So so now I'll just look for anything that's real drive. So, you know, my, my, my sensible thing went out the window. Just anything real drive, okay? And scouring the classifieds and two things popped up where I was working. In, I was working just near Oxford. Uh, and that was a Lotus <laughs> Eclat, hence my Twitter handle. Ah. And... Uh, a Jaguar XJS V12. Uh-huh. And so you can guess which one I bought because of my Twitter handle. So <laughs> so I, I, I looked at the Jag. It was V12, uh, three-speed auto. It was red. It was fabulous. Uh, the, the owner would not even let, let me test drive it because he looked at me and said, you're too young to test drive this. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? I was going to buy it. It was only £650. Uh, but it had a pretty terminal oil leak. So I then went to look at the Lotus, uh, which was a little bit more money. Uh, but oh, my word. Bright yellow uh, Lotus Eclat. And the reason I wanted this was about a week before I'd looked at another bright yellow Lotus Eclat that was once owned by Colin Chapman's wife. Mm-hmm. And it was too expensive for that reason, right? So it was about five thousand, four thousand pounds, I think, because mm-hmm. Colin Chapman's wife had had it, uh, and it was in a classic car dealer. And, and I'll never remember, forget, never forget the dealer was really snobbish to me because I was so young. I was twenty three, twenty two, twenty three at the time. So in my mind, I decided, right, screw you, I'm going to get in a clap to prove this guy wrong that I can own one. So, so I found a, I found a, a clap that was my price, and yeah, you can guess what that means. It was a piece of junk. So, so, so I go to this guy's house that's selling an eclat, and it was a project. So it was a project in his garage that he hadn't finished, uh, and he said to me, "Okay, it's got some problems. It's a project, uh, and the main problem being that the door beam on it was so rusted that the door would." You open it and then it would just not nearly fall off in your hand and you had to literally kind of hold it all the way. You couldn't let go of the door because it would fall off. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. This is the driver's door. So I do that and get in it. And you th- you're saying, you know, you're, you're thinking alarm bells, walk away, walk away. So I bought well, it. Well, I think I we would it. say that for anybody yeah. sensible. Yeah. So, so I bought it. I bought it. I bought this eclat. And I gave him exactly what he was asking for. I, did, I didn't even bat- barter. 
we're, we're not negotiating. Here's the money. Yeah. Give me the keys. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I, I was, I was, I was thinking I should be sensible, and I was just walking away, looking back at it, and I, and then I went, no, I need it. I have to have it, and and just handed the cash over, and uh, uh, he gave me a spare door as well because he said, you know, I know the doors. Uh, screwed so I've got another door with a good beam in it that you can have so then I drove away in this Lotus of clap with another door and jammed in the back of it because it was a four seater so you could you could actually fit the door oh no no we tried to do that but it wouldn't fit so my girlfriend came and picked up the door for me wow that was nice of her wasn't it I've just realized (laughs) so she picked up the door yeah wow she she really yeah. Anyway, it's not not my current wife, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> so she'll be listening to this. Oh dear. Anyway, so so um so yeah, I took this eclat and and uh, the story of the eclat goes that I owned that for two years. Uh, loved it, loved it. In two years, uh, listeners should try and guess now how many miles I did in this Lotus. Um, it's it's low. It's low numbers. <laughs> it's uh, so so two years. Bearing in mind, I bought it as the aim of having it as my only car. And you stuck sixty thousand on the Hillman. The Hillman. Uh, this was a nineteen seventy nine Lotus Eclat. Uh, Positively I took, modern. Yeah, to some of your and choices. I, it had it, it had an MOT. Uh, and I managed to do over the two years that I owned it, I racked up close to 300 miles in this car. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so you, you, you went to the effort of getting a loan yes. to have yes. a driveway sculpture. Yes. And my father, my dad warned me, buy the Toyota MR2, you know, get something... And in fact, he said this very specific phrase to me. I went home just before I went to look at it and said, I'm going to go look at a Lotus Eclat tomorrow. Do you think I should buy it? And he just said, no. <laughs> 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 uh, and, and dad's always right. Uh, and, and he was right. Because I bought it and two years, uh, yes, it was broken constantly. Everything went wrong with it. Uh and it cost me thousands and thousands to just sit on my driveway. And when I bought it, I needed to get to work. So I had to call uh, my dad <laughs> and friends and say, does anyone know a cheap car? And my friend had a Renault 5 he was selling. Uh, and I bought this Renault 5 for £200. Was it brown? No, it was bright red. It was pretty, pretty cool. But again... Renault 5 Campus, so very, very basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I drove to work for the two years that I owned owned the uh, Lotus. So uh, that was embarrassing. So you, you so eventually sold the Lotus then? Eventually I gave up, yes, on my project. And it, it's a clue, really, that the guy who had it before me, it was a project. You know, that, there's the clue yeah. that I should have learned from that it was in his carriage Did the person before him have it as so, a project? Yeah, I suspect that was the history <laughs> of this Lotus. Um, really and, low miles. Yeah, Excellent. The, like, the, no miles. Really. So, is, there, is there a reason behind So my project didn't get further than his project. Um, and 
You know, but you could at least tell the next owner, yeah, look, I mean, there's a door. I had some great drives in it. Those few hundred miles were bliss. I'm not kidding. The, the, the great, still possibly the best handling car I've ever driven. Um, I'll tell you a couple of great stories. I mean, one is the longest journey I ever did, which is about 200 miles, was driving to Goodwood Festival of Speed and turning up in the car park in a yellow Lotus. Uh, and I just spent a fortune on stainless steel exhausts for it. <laughs> and uh, uh, obviously it broke down on the way, obviously. Oh, well, yeah. yeah obviously that's... I had to pull over and uh, fix some wires back together, but um, it made it. And uh, I had a good, 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 that's difficult to say. And that was the main beautiful memory I had of it. And I drove there with my friend Julian, who is the designer of the Aston Martin DB11. So the DB11 wow. designer and me drove to Goodwood in my knackered Lotus. And we had a great time at Goodwood. This was in ooh, 2002, I think, maybe 2003. So that's the best story. The other story is I took out a, my younger brother's girlfriend. She said, can I have a little ride in the Lotus? So, you know, I tended to take people for joy rides for about 10 miles, hence the 300 miles. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we get in the Lotus and we drive around this beautiful little uh, country road I know, knew where I was living in Oxfordshire uh, at the time. And I absolutely hammered it, tried to show her. It's fun, right, isn't it? And, and we get back home and she gets out and says, did you know you went sideways? I was a little scared. And I said, no idea. Did I? I don't remember that. And, and that, for me, sums up a lotus. Um, I, the only way to describe the handing of a lotus is I, I got it sideways, I caught it, and I have no memory of doing it. Because, because it's that intuitive. It's a beautiful thing. You don't, you don't drive a lotus, you just think, go fast, and it does it. It's incredible, incredible car. So, anyway, next, yeah, I'm driving my Renault 5. And my Lotus is uh, parked up, let's say. <laughs> so, <laughs> guess, uh, yeah, at one point I had three cars, and this was because I realized what I should have bought all along was a MR2 Toyota. So I found one in Oxford again, where I was at the time, and sold the Renault and sold the Lotus, uh, and went with an MR2 red mr2 which was well faultlessly reliable uh for many years uh i drove it up until you sound almost disappointed it was a horrible car it was it was it, it nothing ever went wrong with it ever and and as a, as and you're a, a british motorist yes. where is the fun in where that where is the fun in this <laughs> it worked faultlessly <laughs> the the lights popped up you know the lotus the pop-up lights didn't work of course Etc. Uh, Etc. Et Once I was driving, driving is not meant yeah. to be enjoyable as a British driver. Exactly, there has to be exactly. pain all the time. Yeah, I have so many stories about the Lotus. You know, I have I have only one story about the Toyota, and it's the story that made me sell it. Which is, uh, I used to drive down to London uh, every weekend because Oxford was really boring. I was, again, I was living in Oxford. And that's boring. So I used to go out in London every weekend. Anyway, I'm coming back on a Sunday night. It's raining. 
And in the middle of London, I just turn right at a traffic light. And the next thing I know, I'm facing the wrong way in this MR2. And I'm literally sat there thinking, how did that happen? I don't understand. So that's when it had to go. It's like, this this is unstable, this car. The, the, the Mark II, uh, especially the early one, I had the very first, you know, one of the first ones to be sold. Uh, unstable in rain. It, it it doesn't work. I had no That's clue. That's not a good mix in Britain. No. Uh, I'm not so an expert, but that's not a good mix. Not a good mix. In, in, in the central London, I was on North Circular, luckily quite late at night heading back to Oxford, but facing the wrong way. Uh, and, and I decided, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get rid of it, and I'm going to do what uh, a colleague of mine suggested because he had a Mark I MR2. And he said to me, yours, your, you know, politely, yours is crap. You need a Mark One. <laughs> so uh, he said, you know, Mark One was engineered by Lotus, and this is where my eyes lit up, uh, and it handles properly. And so I swapped the Mark II MRT for a Mark One MRT. And, oh, fabulous car. Again, fabulous car. Um, one of my favorite cars. I mean, the Lotus, just superb handling. The MR2 had the handling of a Lotus, but the reliability of a Toyota. And wow, what a combination. Uh, incredibly small, incredibly agile. And, and again, this is where I was getting very hardcore because my list of requirements had gone up from just rear-wheel drive. Uh, and it now included no power steering. So every car oh, I owned had to have now no, you're showing off. Yeah, no power steering. Because... At the time, my dad was driving a BMW 3 Series, the E34, I think, and I didn't like it at all. It, was, it felt awful because it had power steering, and ugh, power steering ruins everything. And, uh, uh, the Lotus didn't have it. The Hillman didn't have it. The Skoda didn't have it. The we need to stick you behind the wheel of one that's got yeah. the electronic steering. <laughs> nasty, nasty. That's awful. But anyway, so I had this very clear criteria, which is why I didn't go for the Jag, to be fair. The Jaguar XJS was tempting because it was so cheap, but it had power steering. So that kind of put me off. And an automatic, it was automatic, which I didn't mind. I, I, if it has no power steering, I'll have an automatic. It, it, it's kind of more important to me, the no power steering thing. So so the Mark I MR2, you know, that was, that was the perfect recipe. I mean, you're talking Lotus Elise recipe uh, so how long did you keep that then so i kept that for quite a long time i kept that up until the day i uh, got engaged to my wife currently uh in 2006 i know they're small but i mean they don't fit on as a ring <laughs> no so <laughs> what i did was i i only sold the mr2 to buy an engagement ring um which is wow, yeah. I would, I would still have it to this that day. That is one special lady, she is, and that's the reason I'm in Finland. She's from Finland. Uh, mm -hmm. we met in London, and I, I had this MR2. I didn't use it because I lived in London, <laughs> didn't, didn't need a car. Um, but obviously, I would never part with this MR2. It was getting a little rusty, it was uh. it was getting to the point where, and actually, it did fail me for the first time because. Uh, oh man, this is a long story. Uh, 
it had a dodgy wheel bearing because the guy I bought it from had crashed it, uh, and 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 it had positive camber when he was driving it at the rear. I took it to a race mechanic that I knew that used to tune my Lotus and look after my Lotus, and he he fixed the geometry and he spotted the wheel bearing. But anyway, I I'd um, I thought it was the gearbox and I'd had the gearbox swapped. But it was the wheel bearing, so we all got a bit it got a bit confused, and eventually the drive shaft fell off of the MRT, which is which is interesting, and it's because of the people that swapped the gearbox. You know, Toyota original quality would never have done this, but I I I would never recommend the people that swapped my gearbox. They did a terrible job, and the drive shaft fell off. So that was the first failure I had with the MR2, and I fixed all that up, and again, you know, loved it, and I was never going to sell it. But I needed an engagement ring, so it had to go. Uh, I got if I now I can't tell you how much I sold for the MRT for because now then you know how much my wife's engagement. No, 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 cost. don't tell me. Don't so tell I won't tell. Her. But no. I bought I bought the um, Lotus for fifteen hundred quid and sold it for seven hundred quid. Uh, and this is a very clear pattern in my car buying. I never ever make money. I always it's a money pit every time. Uh, I don't think anyone who uses <laughs> no. cars properly ever does. I, I, no, I, I'm not an investor in that way. Because, because we don't keep them for long no. enough. So, I, so you know, the MRT, I loved it, and I poured money into it and didn't care. And, and then it was worth a little bit of money, very, very not so much, but it was enough to get me an engagement ring. And I didn't have a car then, which was tough, but I lived... Uh, 10 minutes walk from where I was working at that point. So there's kind of no need to have a car. I was working in Guildford at the time. So didn't need a car. And that's that at that point in life. Um, yeah. And my criteria were quite strict as you, as you've heard. So, um, right. So, so you, that, that changed then hmm. you obviously hmm. did have another car. Yeah. Eventually. Future. Yeah. Um, uh, and had your criteria changed between, your MR2 and your next, next car. car. So my next car uh, had a had one purpose, uh, and it was a disposable car. So I I I, I Ooh, heard about good. yeah Bangonomics, right? So I've heard ah, you guys yeah, talking yeah. about on the on the, the previous podcast. Who you guys were talking about Bangonomics, I think. That's right. And uh, so I went the Bangonomics route because so my fiance at the time uh, lived in Finland. She'd moved back to Finland. We met in London, but she'd moved back to Finland. So I was traveling. This is, you know, again, love, love does strange things. But I was traveling to Finland every other week, every other weekend. I would spend in Finland uh, quite a long way. But uh, the flights were fairly cheap. So so I'd on Friday after work, I'd always head off to Finland, spend the weekend there and be back at work on Monday. Um, I did this for a year and it and it was kind of difficult and I, I decided right I'm gonna leave, leave it was a little difficult yeah, it was kind of tricky so um and 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 I liked the girl so uh and I'm still here so I decided 2006 I decided I'm gonna move to Finland and my plan involved uh driving there so I decided to get on eBay and I was going to pick up the, the biggest car, the Volvo estate I could find on eBay uh, and put 
all my worldly belongings in it and drive to Finland. Uh, and that's what I did. I, I bought a Volvo 740, 1991, I think, for 360 quid from eBay. Uh, and it was wonderful because I went to the guy to pick it up and and he said, oh, great, a buyer for Victor. It had a, no, Vincent, it had a name. A buyer for Vincent, pardon. <laughs> so I go, go to this guy's house and he's got like six Volvo 740s and uh, they're all uh, named with a V name, like Victor and Vincent and, uh, you know, I can't remember all of the V names, but he had a name for each of them. And this one was Vincent uh, and he'd really looked after it and he just put it on eBay because he had too many Volvos. Uh, and I took it over and yep, we did, we did two things. My, my fiance came over to England before I left and before we set up home in Finland, I said, let's do a tour of Britain. So we put a tent in the back of the Volvo and we toured the whole of Britain all the way to the Isle of Skye and back to <laughs> London as a final farewell. So we toured all around Britain in this Volvo. Uh, funnily enough, on the Isle of Skye, it had a little hiccup. It, 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 we had to pull over. It, it was chugging, and and I gave it some stern words, and it never did it again, ever. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we were back, we were living in Guildford at the time. And anyway, so my plan was was formed, and I and I didn't own much at the time. I, I was a bachelor guy, so chucked all my gear in the back of a Volvo 740 and, and drove to Newcastle uh, and got on the ferry. And uh, a friend of mine came with me because this was going to be a big road trip. So a friend of mine came with and we drove nonstop to Newcastle. We got on a ferry. It was a ferry over to Sweden. And we, we got really drunk on the ferry. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I was seasick because of, I don't normally get seasick, but I was so drunk. <laughs> so we pass out and we wake up in Sweden and we get back in the Volvo. And then we drove 21 hours straight all the way up through Sweden, drove straight across the border without stopping into Finland. Uh, literally arrived at the doorstep of my fiance's flat and rang the doorbell. Here we are. Hello. <laughs> uh, we were exhausted and uh, the car really? made it yeah and we drove we drove past the factory it was built in which was a nice nice feeling uh, we also were completely lost on a gravel road in a forest in the middle of Sweden in pitch black in this Volvo bumping along on the gravel um with my navigator, we only had a, an atlas, a road atlas, AA map of <laughs> Europe. And we're like, this can't be the right road. <laughs> uh, this can't be it, but let's just keep going. And we kept going and it was the right road, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good fun. It made it. And, and I drove it around in Finland for a little while, uh, a few months went to the customs agent that, that deals with importation and stuff. Uh, and weirdly, he said to me, so it's right-hand drive? I said, yeah. Said, oh, no, you, you can't import it. Which is not true, but, you know, a local customs agent, I was way up north in Finland, not, not in mm. the capital. He didn't speak much English. 
and he just said, no, no, right hand drive, you can't. Not true. I, I now know a few friends of mine here in Finland have right hand drive cars from Japan and stuff. But that's not strictly true, but he didn't know any better, so I scrapped it, took it to a junkyard, crushed it, which is shocking because then my, <laughs> I got married and, and, and I'd crushed this car, and then my brother-in-law told me what a Volvo 740 is worth in Finland, and oh my, I should not, I should not have crushed okay. it. It's it's a little bit of a shock. Cars are quite valuable, so lesson learned there. But never mind. <laughs> it was. I shall now start a business of importing. So yes. Do it. Do it. But it it was at least quadruple. You, you can work at that end. I'll work yeah. at this end. Well, <laughs> we're we're not talking double. We're not talking triple. We're not even talking quadruple. We are talking six times the value, something like that. Oh, so wow. yeah. And I thought it was just this disposable box to transport all my stuff to Finland, but nope. The, this was my first lesson. Yeah, I've got Finnish, the name already. It's Walton Clues Volvos. That's it. We're, we're <laughs> on. It. And we can convert. <laughs> when we, we can, finish this call, <laughs> we can convert it to left-hand drive. That's not a problem, is it? That's no worries. We could sell the parts. The yeah, parts. exactly. The guy at the scrapyard was really happy to get get the parts for it. He gave me. Was he really? Was he? Really? He gave me two hundred quid for it. Well, you know. 250 euros so but he he saw a sucker come in when he you know he knows a sucker when he sees them <laughs> this british guy he has no idea <laughs> okay so what do you have after the volvo after after the sad right. demise so that that was disposable and uh then i was living in finland and again i oh finland wonderful wonderful place uh the friendliest people in the world uh I was offered a job uh, within a few weeks of being there and it was walking distance from my flat. So I I actually just bought a bicycle. I bought a bike and I had a bike for about a year. It's quite snowy though. Yeah, I cycled in in the snow. Wikipedia is to be believed. Yeah, yeah. Do Do you want to know my record for the temperature, lowest temperature I have cycled to work in? Go on then. Try and guess, try and guess, please, try and guess. Uh, minus 23. No, much colder. Uh, my, okay, minus 40? Not that cold. Minus 31C is the wow. record I hold for the coldest I cycled to work. Uh, and that was when I decided to buy my next car. Really? <laughs> so, I'm not joking. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. <laughs> and, uh, so we're talking three pairs of gloves. Uh, two hats uh, <laughs> so many layers still my brain froze so uh, a car was what was needed um, but but not to get to work I, I, I just didn't cycle from then on I, I walked um, but my wife by then had found herself a job a little bit further out of town and uh, she's a teacher and I decided okay let's get us a, a car uh, and again, I, I, I went for Rear cash. wheel drive. No, big no. Big side windows. No, 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 no. All criteria has changed. Criteria had to go completely out of the window because this is Finland. <laughs> and, uh, so it's going to be front wheel drive, diesel. Uh, oh, I didn't go diesel because, again, <laughs> golden, golden rule for me is never buy diesel. I have since broken that rule because I've become uh, I've become Finnish, let's say. So um, I now drive a diesel. But my first car, no, I would not go diesel. But I did buy the ultimate car designer's car, 
and you'll you'll be amazed at this because uh, my lecturer at Coventry University had one. Uh, I I can name the designer. I'd, I'd seen the design sketches. Uh, one of the greatest pieces of car design in history. Uh, and it was a 1998 Renault Twingo, uh, the original Twingo, which was never sold in the UK, uh, which also appealed to me. So this was my first left-hand drive car. Okay. And yeah, a true icon. And it cost me 1,000 euros. And it was barely passing its MOT here. We have MOT here, just the same. Uh, rusty, but this is Finland, right? So cars, they're going to be quite hard on cars, aren't cars they? Cars do not go below a thousand euros, in fact, and uh, they look after cars here. I mean, the, the climate and their life is harsh, but they really look after cars. It was pretty high mileage, but it was surviving. This Twingo, um, yeah, and that was my first car in Finland, first left-hand drive, um, and it was just enough to get us around occasionally, you know. Um, mm. And it was the least sporty car. I mean, it was very, very familiar because I owned a Renault 5. Because effectively, it's a rebodied Renault 5. Mechanically, okay. it's identical to a Renault 5. Uh, same engine, same same chassis. Um, and they just rebodied it and resold it, which which saved them a lot of money. It it it, it created the sub B genre, like Ford car again, a rebodied mm. previous model Fiesta. So everybody copied this concept. Take your previous Super Mini, which cost you billions to develop. Take the crappy old bits, stick them in something stylish, and sell it to the youth, you know. So that was the Twingo, and, <laughs> and the Ford car copied that model. Um, and the Twingo began all that, and wow, what, what a piece of design. Incredible car. It So much space, more, rear, more rear legroom than my current car, 5 Series BMW. I mean, the space in that tiny little car was astonishing. And my favorite feature was, okay, it had a centrally mounted digital speedo. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the other favorite feature was the rear bench seat could be taken out, just like my Renault 5. Uh -huh. uh, it also with one handle, which I could grab while driving. So you could be driving this Renault 5. You can reach back uh, between the front seats, and there's a big, big handle that you can grab and pull the whole rear seat forward um, or push it back because it had a sliding rear seat, so you could decide how much luggage versus uh, uh, leg yeah, I've I've been in a few cars recently that have got that. That's a wonderful... Yeah, that is. is a wonderful, yeah. tiny... Silly sounding oh, optional fantastic. extra, but yeah. it's it. If you've got family, yeah. that's just brilliant. And that, yeah. and the yeah. if you've got a reclining or an adjustable back seat angle as well, yes, that's so that makes a massive difference. It's super it really hard. does. It's right. it, I, I mean, it. I know you you've you've got uh, young ones yourself, so yeah, it it it, it does sound as though it's a, a very parenty, whingy <laughs> thing, but it, it makes such a difference. It does. Just that one or yeah. two degrees yeah. between everything fitting below the luggage, uh, the parcel shell, yeah. and being able to see out the back and yeah. not. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the small things, and the, the Twingo mm. is full of 
brilliant little design details like that. It's fantastic. Um, so how uh, long did you keep the Twingo? Uh, we had that until, uh, let me think, not long, only maybe a year. Uh, yeah, maybe even less than a year because because uh, basically we just bought it as a run around. And then my wife, mm-hmm. as I say, she, she got a new job that was quite far out of town, like one hour. She had to commute nearly an hour. And oh, she wow. was doing it in this old Twingo. And uh, safety-wise, we're talking about northern Finland where there are moose and reindeer, minus 30 degrees, snow. Uh, and a Twingo is not really the safest way to get across. Impact and probably is not the greatest it, it, you know, strength it has. Mm, uh, a a two-ton moose versus a Twingo is a non-contest. So... <laughs> So what we did, my, my mother-in-law uh, is is fantastic. She works in a car dealer. And uh, so we got a really good deal on a brand new car. So I, we went to the first brand new car I've ever, ever experienced or owned. Uh, although my dad used to have uh, company cars and occasionally had a brand new one. But, but this was this, essentially it was my wife's car. Um, that was a decision I made when I realized what my mother-in-law would be offering as part of the uh, <laughs> deal. Okay. So she works, she works at, uh, in Finland, we have uh, multiple, multiple brand dealers. Right. Uh, so her dealership sells Mercedes, Honda, uh, smart cars, and uh, Citroën. Mm-hmm. And they now, they now sell a couple more brands, but at the time, just those. So we, we went with the Citroen uh, C3. We went with the C3, Citroen C3. In 2007, we bought that brand new, the first the sort C3. Of bubbly car. Yeah the, the, yeah, the girls one, the bubble. The, the sort of, <sighs> the and that, that was tough to drive. I, I pretty much refused to drive it. Uh, <laughs> I very rarely drove that car. Um, Your masculinity was, couldn't handle it. It was a tough one, that. It was tough. <laughs> it's, and, and, and actually, I didn't drive it. And as a designer, I was fascinated by this because it didn't fit. It, okay, I'm, very, I'm, I'm an average height person. I'm, luckily, I fit in pretty much anything. Mm. Uh, five foot nine, I, I fit in anything. Um, but it was just not comfortable. The, the, the driving position is designed for women. It, it's fundamentally, the ergonomics are were aimed at women and so my wife she's very very small she's only about five foot something so you know just just over five feet so it was very much perfect for her the seat goes really high uh all the angles of the pedals and things uh, for women effectively i mean i'm not saying that as a styling thing you know it's not a girl's car in that sense it's fundamentally engineered for women uh and i couldn't get comfortable with it I mean, mm. literally, I, I didn't like it was drivable, but I didn't really like the position. It was not not particularly nice to to drive. The Twingo didn't have that problem, but but the C3 was so clearly focused, which is again, it's it's, it's impressive. It's um a, a focused target group, as they call it in yeah. in design. So so I didn't drive it very often for that reason. Um, and then there was a day where I decided. To 
we needed to change it two reasons my wife you know uh, we we were having a baby so then you get the c3 is that big enough kind of urge yeah. and secondly i i drove to uh, a job i needed to borrow this car and i drove i drove to this uh, i was working freelance at that point uh so i had to go off to this job and borrow the car to get there and it was some good friends of mine actually that I knew anyway. So I arrived at this job and these guys are real car crazy guys at a game studio because I worked in the games business mostly mm. in my career. Uh, I went to visit these guys and they're real car heads, petrol heads. And I turned up in a, in a red Citroen C3 and we're talking about one guy had a uh, that day he was driving his Skyline GTR R32 and, <laughs> and another guy had a five series beamed and i turn up in the c3 and they i get out and they just laughed and uh, i was like okay there's only so much of that one the man yeah um i'm 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 a metrosexual modern day design hipster dude but come on come on i can't take that (laughs) so 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 that you put your your caramel macchiato down. Yeah, that had to go. That had to go. (laughs) And your man bag down, and you said, "No, I'm not going to put up with this anymore." It it was when it was purely my wife driving it. Fine, but but if I was going to borrow this car, it needs to be something else. (laughs) So, (laughs) so what we did then was, um, we were up on this deal because it was a, a family. Uh, so we knew someone working at the Citroen dealer, so we were really up on this deal mm-hmm. um, in terms of what we could trade it in for was actually more than we owed on the car. So, so we oh, okay. so we went across town to uh, a profit. Yes, a profit on a new car. I'm serious. So it was a good deal. But in Finland, things are really different. Um, a second, weirdly, second-hand cars. If they're one year old, you know, you know the thing in the UK where you go buy a one-year-old car because it saves you such a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's lost so much upfront in that one year, and it's nearly new. It's yeah. as good as new, but it, but but you get a lot of money discounted. Strange phenomenon in Finland: a one-year-old car with extremely low mileage is often more expensive than a brand new car. And it doesn't matter. Okay. And the C3 was exactly the same. We had this one-year-old C3, and we could effectively get more than it cost us new. Uh, even at trading, even a dealer was get offering us more than we paid for it, mm. which is very odd concept to a British person, to a car yeah, guy, yeah. to understand. And, and one of the reasons is when we ordered this C, C3, it took so long to arrive in Finland. It, it, I don't know whether we're bottom of the queue up here in northern Scandinavia, but, <laughs> but oh boy, like six months. And and it oh, wasn't wow. even uh, we weren't even allowed to choose the color, so it was it wasn't even two spec. It was just some C threes they had left over, and it still took six months to get to us. So for that reason, if you want to walk in and drive out in a car, uh, nearly new is the way to go in Finland, and okay. they actually tend to carry a premium for that reason. Uh, any car, it's weird. So I so so your your masculinity has been dented and I uh, thought yes infringed uh, yeah and you've gone no, this no more yeah I, I can put up with this no more so what are you thinking 
Well, I, I, I wanted to go with second hand this time so I could get something bigger and, and a bit mm-hmm. more, yeah, kind of macho. Um, but, <laughs> but equally, it would still be my wife's car. And uh, so believe it or not, we actually went hunting for a Nissan Qashqai. Uh, okay. and, and, and I went to look at a sort of very low mileage, uh, well, fairly low mileage Nissan Qashqai uh, because of the, you know, I think this is the baby thing, right? The crossover just said safety. And it was my wife driving again to work with moose and reindeer running out in front mm. of her. I'm like, this, even this C3, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I want a big thing. So yeah. uh, the cheapest big object you can get with wheels at the time was this new 2010 we're talking it was a very new thing cash and another funny thing was uh, i actually studied a coventry i know uh, with the with the designer of it i know the designer of the cash guy um matt weaver a really really top a really nice guy top guy and uh i was just really impressed and and and, and at the time i remember following again another thing like bmw like bangle the press were all over slating the cash guy I mean, so much so that even the design press, I remember one article in a, in a design yearbook that said, uh, this looks like a flawed experiment. We don't think this is going to work out. This seems like a really silly, you know, niche. Well, they were wrong, right? You know. Well, yeah, if you look at the press <laughs> now, if it wasn't for the Qashqai, there'd be no SUVs. There'd be no Nissan. If it wasn't for the cash, well, guy. I mean, forget forgetting <laughs> the, uh, the the economic <laughs> impact. But I mean, if you yeah. look at the the the, the yeah. car yeah. Uh, magazines, it's the, the yeah. cash car is every everything is compared to a cash car, yeah. isn't it? And and funny enough, I had the same feeling as when I saw the two hundred six. That when I first saw cash guy, I knew this was going to change everything, and I couldn't believe even the design press were not were not believing that. I mean. Mm. I just knew this was going to be number one selling. And, and, and at the time, it was everybody wanted one. I mean, I, another thing I remember, I went to the dealer to look at this secondhand cash guy. And it, it wasn't very good. It was a little bit rusty already. I wasn't that impressed. Uh, so I went next door to the new showroom where they had the new, new cash guys. Uh, and this is a great fun thing because my neighbor, I saw a neighbor was there. And he was looking at a cash guy, uh, you know, a young couple just like us with similar age. <laughs> and uh, and I remember him looking at one. And my wife said, yeah, someone at work is looking at one. And basically, just everyone we knew was thinking about it. And I had a little bit of a competitive streak because the neighbor was looking at this showroom, uh, uh, showroom, showroom model that they again they sell off cheap rather than going on the waiting list for the for your own spec when they were trying to get yeah, rid yeah. of one or two yeah. so a demo like. yeah demo demo model that's the word i used to work at a car dealer i can't remember these things when i was a student anyway <laughs> demo model and my neighbor was looking at it and the salesman did that trick and, and i know the tricks but he pulled it on me he said oh that guy's looking at this demo model to buy so then and there I basically signed on the dotted line <laughs> because I wanted to beat my neighbour to this to this cash car <laughs> in the showroom. Like I can no longer drive around in the C3. Yeah, and the C3 was parked outside, and and I said, look, take the C3. I'm having this cash car, and 
and the other thing was because it was demo model and again I'd worked when I was a student I'd done summer jobs every summer at dealerships I knew how it worked and I said to him and also because I'm in the car design area I knew there was a facelift coming he didn't the dealer didn't so well actually he did but he didn't know I knew (laughs) so because it's not public knowledge so I I knew the facelift was on its way so I said to him you need to get rid of this out of your showroom because because there's a facelift coming in and uh and it had every option ticked because it's a showroom model right Mm. and i knew what it had cost them and i said uh, what i wanted it for so the first time in my life ever i've bought it because normally i just hand over cash because i'm in love with a yellow lotus right (laughs) but (laughs) first time in my life i remember bartering saying i want it for 25 grand and i want blah 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 extras and uh i think i wanted i did the cheesy thing of i want four mats you know the whole the whole uh uh joke full tank of petrol spiel blah, that you blah, say blah. yeah and you can have my citron and done deal i'll sign right now and i'll drive out in it and he said yep do it done cool and uh that was a so again being a petrol head car design guy i refused to get four-wheel drive and i refused to get diesel and it was the two-wheel drive petrol version because it has much much better fuel economy and you have no need, even in snowy, icy Finland, there is absolutely no need for four-wheel drive. And uh, so I took this two-wheel drive cash guy off his hands that had every bit of a kit on it. It was awesome. And it had the 17-inch bling wheels. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife just loved it, loved it, loved it. And she still, okay. to this day, we got rid of it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I traded it in. Oh, I regret this still. And she always she reminds remind me of this yes. <laughs> <laughs> on a, on a monthly basis. So <laughs> why did you get rid of that cash guy? Um, it's complicated. I basically, I got rid of the cash guy because I'd started a business and, and I was sinking money into my business as an entrepreneur and I didn't want to sink money into an expensive new car, blah, 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 blah. So we, we swapped the cash guy for a much cheaper car, secondhand, uh, and I got a Volvo V50. So we, we swapped this cash guy. And again, the dealer guy thought I was insane. He was like, what, you want to give me a 2010 cash guy? And you want to drive away in a 2005 Volvo? What what is wrong with you? <laughs> but, so anyway, um, again, the dealer gave us more money than it was worth. You know, to my eyes, we owed money on it because it was on finance. But he gave us a profit again because cash guys were the hot thing in Finland at the time in 2011. So he gave us a huge, huge amount of money for this cash guy. <laughs> so. Uh, that was great. So I had no more debt, and I bought. We bought a Volvo V50, and this was my first diesel. Uh, yeah, dreaded diesel, and oh god, the noise! It was a transit level of. It was transit van level of noise. This, <laughs> this, this. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but it's your it, perception. Oh, it was horrendous. It was a Peugeot. They have a Peugeot diesel in them. These V50s, so. You know, Peugeot engine, uh, Ford gearbox, uh, you know, not really a Volvo, but it, it was, it looked like a Volvo. And my reasoning was it's 
it's Scandinavia, right? I need to own a Volvo. I'm in, I'm in freezing cold Finland. Come on. I've got to try it. Uh, and that this car... This one with the floating console, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. The interior, actually still the best interior of any car I've owned. Just okay. astonishingly good design. And again, as a designer, I don't... I could not fault that car. I mean... The interior in particular, the layout of where the switches were and that you could see at night, like where the headlight switch was and Mm -hmm. you could touch that central console, central console, you didn't have to look. They all had, like every button had a unique little ridge shaped on it. And so you could like feel, oh, that's number five on the, on the radio and that's number two and Yes, wow! I, I must. I must not get on my hobby horse about cool. touchscreens. I must not get on my hobby horse about Vol- touchscreens. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Um, so <laughs> Vol- Volvo V50, one of the best interiors designed in any car. Um, and I kept. So how long? How long did you keep that then? So I kept that for the longest I've ever kept any car ever. I, I had that for four years, um, and it was completely faultlessly reliable. For four years, it racked up quarter quarter of a million miles uh, kilometers. It was getting close to three hundred thousand kilometers. Wow! Uh, the only thing that ever went wrong on it was the micro switch for the trunk, the boot lid, which was a Ford part, of course. <laughs> so the Ford component broke, but everything else on it. Yeah, it it just it sailed through every MOT. It it always started uh, a really good example of the winterization of a Volvo. Uh, when I had the Qashqai, uh, for example, I, I went out to it and it, it had been outside in minus twenty five or something all night, and none of the windows work. So electric windows on a Qashqai don't work in minus twenty five um, because. Because the the seals get water on them because the interior heats up the snow, and then when you turn the car off, the seals freeze around the windows. So this is this is normal in Finland, right? So every window, the seal gets frozen over. Uh, but most cars that are not designed for Finland, like a Qashqai, is a good example. The electric motors don't have enough torque to break the seal of the ice. Oh, okay. So. You literally can't open the window. So in this cash car, I used to go to parking uh, parking uh, lots. I'm being American again, but you know the barriers, and you need. To, I have to get out like I'm a Lamborghini driver or something. You have to get out the car to get the ticket for the parking. That just so, reminds me of my the the Focus I used to own. Yeah. The front electric windows died. Well, they, they, apparently there is a trick if you pull everything out and hit yeah. the motors with a hammer, they will work again. Nothing to do with cold. <laughs> Just the they, they will work again. Um, but I never yeah. I never had the time or yeah. the uh, patience to strip everything out <laughs> and then hit something with a hammer because yeah. I feared I would not stop hitting the hammer <laughs> and therefore do more damage. Vengeance. Vengeance. <laughs> yes. But so if you listen so to episode five, yeah. you will you will listen to uh, Krista Adelby and he Volvo, is a, a Volvo, Volvo. Yes, I listened to that driver. episode. Yeah, I was very and, intrigued. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot about exactly what he he is the test driver goes through. I love my Volvo because minus thirty, minus twenty, frozen solid. You could always get the window down. The motors mm. were strong enough. 
another great story. I, I was working for a little while again, freelance, but I was working two hours drive from my home and I had to drive a couple of hours, but then I, I was so far away. I rented a apartment, uh, to, to do this job for, I was doing this job for about a year and I rented a department, a, a small flat where I could uh, stay during the week on that job just for three days a week I was staying. Mm. So I drive all the way across Northern Finland in my Volvo in January. Uh, and it's minus 25, minus 28 on the temperature gauge all the way in this Volvo. Uh, and then I park up and I go to work for three days and I didn't move the car. Uh, and we have this thing in Finland where you preheat the engine. So every parking bay in Finland has an electrical socket already. We're set up. We are set up for electric cars. <laughs> so every parking bay has an electrical socket already. And that is so you can plug in your car. And you plug in uh, every car, uh, you do this, because we have uh, engine block heaters, which are electrical. Because oh. if it, 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 at minus 30, if you turn an engine over, if you start an engine and the metal block is minus 30, it will crack it uh, if it suddenly okay. starts to heat up. So what we do is we... there's no lubricants going to no, be that oil quick is enough for like anything. Solid. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the engine block tends to be right at the bottom and it heats up the oil and it heats up the... You can get two versions that heat the water. So the, this is an incredibly genius finished thing, but Scandinavian thing. So all it is is like a kettle element that goes into the water mm. uh, jacket around the engine. And then instead of cooling your engine, your water jacket heats the engine. Uh, so that's how that works. And the other version is a sort of um, frying pan thing stuck to the oil pan that, mm. that just heats the oil. But the most efficient is it pumps and heats the water all around your engine. So you have hot water around your engine before you start. So anyway, we have these plug-in things that you should plug in. So when it's minus 30, you should plug your car in to preheat it mm-hmm. so that you can start it. But, but I'm an inept British guy, and uh, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the gadgets they use have these really complicated little timers. You know those little pegs you have to push down and pull mm. up? And uh, I don't know why. I have a real nightmare with them. <laughs> so... So I parked my car up on a Monday, uh, and I think I've set the timer to preheat it, because you have to heat it for about two hours, at least one hour, but two hours is best before you start it and drive away. So I think I've set the timer, and so I go to leave on the third day. It sat for three days, not moving, minus 31 that week. Uh, It got covered in snow, so I dig it out of the snow, and I get in it, uh, and then I realized I've not set the timer properly. So it hasn't been preheated. Uh-huh. And the other thing you talk about is the battery gets frozen for three days. And thanks to your guest, Christian, it started first time. <laughs> and, and I drive home and I have him to thank for that magical. I mean, it's a diesel as well, which are, which are much harder actually to start in the cold than, than a petrol engine, of course. That's why we have yeah. plug heaters. and So a diesel Volvo, frozen solid, minus 31 for three days, not preheated, and it started. First time. Okay, it took two, crank, two cranks, second time. Went amazing, right? 
<laughs> so uh, how long so you you've put on nearly 300,000 kilometers yeah i bought it at about two uh, just under 200,000 so we put on 100,000 over four okay. years so what do you get to next? uh so so now i get very very much carried away <laughs> and, uh, uh, now you get carried away. Now, okay. now we head back into my. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so, if from your past history, yeah, now we're getting carried let's, away. Let's go way back to like the Skoda days, and so now, so now I get my. This is when I started my new job as a vehicle design teacher. So previously, I've been working in the games business here in Finland as well, and I, I ran my own game studio. I was CEO of a, of a small game studio but that didn't go so well so anyway very 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 lucky break uh very friends of friends of friends introduced me to this vehicle design course and wow you know this is this is what i've always wanted to do so i start by some amazing amazing coincidence i managed to get this job and, and i start teaching vehicle design and i'm still driving my volvo and i love it uh and, and at this point it's fully paid for and it's all mine and the sensible thing would be to drive it forever, right? It's, Just it's, keep it till it dies. Exactly. It's this doing is, the job. This it's, is what it's, a, it's a, normal, a normal human being would do for this. the task yes. in hand. Yeah. So a normal human being. So you're going to sell it now, aren't you? So yes. of course I go and trade it in. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so I go back to my real drive criteria. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> and, and but 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 I was, I was good i was a good guy and, and i decided right let's go easy i'll go to the volvo dealer in town uh so i drive my v50 to the volvo dealer and I, okay i actually just want something a little bigger so i want a v70 maybe so i'll yeah. go there and, and i'll just upgrade a little bit it won't cost me much it would just be a tiny up step up secondhand v70 uh now, this Volvo dealer has a huge lot of second-hand cars, and this is my downfall. So they have, oh, they have a huge, options. huge showroom of second-hand cars, and we're wandering around, and my wife spots a car now, because I spot an Audi A6 Avant. I think that's quite nice, actually, rather than the V70, and pretty cheap, pretty cheap, similar price to the Volvo. But then my wife, oh, in the corner of this showroom, says, hey, this is nice. And I turn around, and it's the current model BMW 5 Series touring in black with the tan, lovely tan interior. And, you know, I'd set my goal of getting a black car with tan interior. I love that combination. Uh, and there it was in you front of me. Kids. Yeah, I'm such a. What oh. are, you, are you insane? Yes. And I have to, and yeah, Sorry, we, I think we've established that. Sorry. Point, Sorry yes. At this point, yeah, I have a, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old at this point, and, uh, and they. You have a masochistic yeah, streak. That's and they sure. kick the living hell out of my Volvo's interior. <laughs> they throw up in it. They kick it to death. And the Volvo fully takes, tested, I think, the, is the how Volvo we phrase that. The Volvo takes it. It's again yeah. thanks to Christian. The abuse my kids gave that car, and it takes it. So I see this beautiful BMW <laughs> and light tan interior, and I and I say, okay, I'm going to say to the salesman, I'm going to take the Volvo and the BMW for back to back test drives, please, and then I'll make a decision. So I take the Volvo out and drive around, and a bit of motorway, a bit of driving back in 
Yeah, it's quite nice. Similar to my Pretty Volvo. Pretty much what you expected. Yeah. yeah. And my Volvo was a, was a manual gearbox, and, and this V70 is an automatic. As it's it like, should be. Yeah, and it's like, okay, that's that's a nice luxury barge for my for my kids and me. And hmm, Okay, let's try the BMW. And I, I, I go out, and the salesman says, oh, yeah, this has the eight-speed auto. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> and I get in it and and I and I get out of the, the driveway of the, the dealer and I've bought it, you know, I'm fifty yards down the road. <laughs> it it just was beautiful to drive compared to the Volvo. It's like night and day, night and day. And and we get around the block and my wife's looking at me like it's it's not really a contest, is it? This is your car, and she and she made an even more dangerous remark. She said to me, "Oh, this looks like your car. You look right in this." Like what? I've never, I've never. But BMW drivers, we know what they're like. Not me. That's not me. Um, and she's saying you are. Yeah, and it was a bit disappointing. So, so I said, "Well, what about the Audi?" And she said, "We can never own an Audi. We're not Audi people." Okay. Oh right. wow! Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's definitive. That, so that's she said, settled. She said that's settled. We'll never speak of it again. Uh, never, literally, that was the look she gave. We'd never speak of Audi. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so we're stuck. I'm stuck driving, and I'm doing a test drive, and and oh boy, on the on the dual carriageway part, this thing shifts. It's it's only a five twenty D, but the completely seamless eight speed auto. And the talk, uh, oh, um, I get back to the showroom and I said, right, so how much can I <laughs> show, show me the paperwork? You know, I was yeah. I was gone uh, and it was twice as much money as the other cars I'd come to look at. Oh. I'm not joking. It was twice the price of what I'd come to look at. And this is the route my wife had put me down. And, uh, it's your fault. Yes. And. Uh, yeah, I, I still love it. Uh, you still got it. I still, got, still it. got it. I love it. Yeah. It's. I, I wish it was a petrol version, uh, but I started searching. Uh, I mean, I bought it. I didn't want a diesel. Another another thing was the Volvo was going to be my last diesel. I vowed. But but I I looked at this BMW and then literally while I'm in the showroom looking at the paperwork, I quickly searched for petrol versions. On the on the Auto Trader over here, the version mm. of, it's called Net the Auto in Finland, Net the Auto Bista V. Dot V that means. Mm. I know a little bit of lingo. So, uh, <laughs> and I searched there and then on my phone for petrol versions of the same car, and they they just they just none, none at all, secondhand. So in the whole of the country, we're talking. Wow. So you're pretty much stuck with diesel in Finland. So I thought, okay, what the hell, another diesel. I'm not keen. But the torque on this thing was very, very nice. The, so, yeah, I'm stuck with another diesel. And I wish it was a petrol 53i or something. But it's it's a 520d. and uh, Doesn't sound like a dreadful compromise. No, it's not so bad. And then, and then I immediately got on eBay and bought a chip for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, oh, it's so sad. And, and it's probably fake. But I like to believe it's giving a little bit more talk. So, 
you know, it's it's one of these placebo effect. Yeah, it's one of the. Actually, I bought two chips. I bought the cheapest one on eBay, which was definitely fake. Um, did nothing because I took it apart, and the chip was just a. I did electronics at school. I know that is a fake chip, mm. but but this one is 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 a reputable uh, company, and the chip is genuinely a programmable chip. I checked the serial number on it and stuff. But I still, I think it makes a very small difference to the mm. to the torque, at least. But because it's a diesel, it certainly runs pretty rough in the winter now. So I think because they <laughs> warned me that it warns you on the you know at your own risk, this this could make the idle quite rough in the cold weather. It says if you turn the power up, because of course I turned. It's variable. So of course I turned. So you, you put it to eleven. Yeah, of course I put it to eleven. Oh, of course you did. So it was okay in the summer, but now in minus eight or so, at the moment it's it's feeling a bit lumpy. <laughs> so I think it's I think it's doing something. The chip. I'm I'm seeing that as a positive thing that it's <laughs> that it's running lumpily because it proves it's doing something, right? So, yes, quite. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you cling to that link. I'll you cling, cling to, to that. that. I'm probably destroying a ten thousand euro gearbox, but um, <laughs> you know that's that's neither here nor there. It gives a little bit more manliness, doesn't it? That it's got one <laughs> one newton meter extra or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. But it goes sideways, right. lovely in the snow. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> nice big, nice big passenger <laughs> windows to look through. You can do a good donut on this family estate. You can't beat that. <laughs> right, I'm yeah. going to move on to uh, ahead, rounding this up yeah. now. I've been um, rambling. Really. No, no, not at all. Again, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very conscious that you are hours oh, ahead quite, of me. It's quite late for me. Yes, so uh, I'm going to move on to the, the quick fire questions at Go the end. It, yeah. and and these the I have idea... notes on, just in case. Okay, that's excellent. <laughs> now, the idea is, and as I say every week, yeah. this is more to myself than anyone else. I will ask you the question. You will answer the question. <laughs> I will say nothing mm. and move on to the next question and ask the next question. That is the idea. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we may get through one of these, one of these weeks, yeah. where I don't actually then go, oh, and. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I will do my best not no to problem. take up any more of your time. But I will start with the very first one, which is okay. what currently excites you about the motoring world? Uh that's simple. I mean, my job excites me. I mean, I'm part of the future of the motoring world now and in a very small way. And that's, that's my dream come true. Um, so that's it, really. My students, it's a cheesy teacher thing to say, but, but my students excite me about the car world. That's, that's not cheesy. That's, that's nice to hear that someone who is teaching the future is actually excited about teaching people. The things they say. The ideas they have, it's it's mind blowing and it contradicts me and it makes me think and it's fantastic. It's really cool. So, and we're working with we're working with some uh, big name. Actually, I checked before I came on here. Another note of mine. I checked with we're working with Lada Studio at the moment in Moscow, and I checked with the designer if I'm allowed to say that we're working on a project with them, which we are. So I am allowed to say it, and we are. Uh, and that's for the year 2050. So that's wow. my point about why I'm excited about my job. Me, my students are currently tasked with thinking up what a ladder will be in 2050. So 
pretty cool. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, yeah. then. So, mm. uh, conversely, what worries you about the motoring world currently? <laughs> Probably the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what my students will do to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... Um, I guess I could give the usual. I mean, I'm on I'm on the same kind of wavelength as you about there will be autonomous cars. They will be linked. They will be Internet of Things. They will be, and that could be potentially horrible. Um, but at the same time, I'm excited because it's my students' job to make them not horrible, and it's my job to teach them to make them not horrible. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of. I'm oh, good, so I can blame you. That's yeah, fine. as long as I've got one specific person yeah, to blame, you can come back no to me. I can give you some names of the students <laughs> if you like, uh, specifically. <laughs> so yes, uh, we'll keep in touch, and I'll let you know who the problem is. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, it basically the same thing excites me. Well, you know, the future and and is exciting and depressing at the same time. It's the beauty of the future. Uh, what has been your favourite car to drive and why was that yeah it would be in my notes I wrote just say any Lotus I mean any I've been I've not been I'm not a journalist and and, and, uh, I'm not wealthy so I've not been lucky to drive very many interesting cars Um, are you kidding you've driven some fantastic interesting interesting cars cars. but not 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 no, okay, exotic, you, you don't get the exotic, quantity. Perhaps. And I don't get yes. the quantity. Um, the job I had at a car dealer, I got to drive some slightly interesting things. But, for example, the best uh, cars I've driven, I've got a short list. I would say uh, Lotus Elise is probably number one. Uh, a friend of mine owned the, uh, the Elise S2, and wow, the joy of that thing. Uh, Lotus Evora, I've driven one of those, and equally wonderful. Uh, I've even been taken around Hethel Racetrack in Elise, and that was wonderful. Uh, And my brother, my twin brother, owns a Porsche 996 Carrera 2, and that's fantastic too. So those are my... And the Lotus I had was wonderful, so... But basically any Lotus. I mean, Lotus Elise goes up there as probably the perfect distillation magic of what Lotus is. The okay. Elise is wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you've never driven one, do not die. Don't be on your deathbed and say, I'd never drive a Lotus Elise. Honestly, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I will do my best to drive one. It's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. Okay, so then uh, conversely to that, yeah. what has been your least favourite car to drive and why was that? This, this is context. I think. I think recently, I, I, uh, it's not really a car, but at, at the school uh, we have a minibus <laughs> that that we sometimes use to take uh, the students to places. We've had it many. It's been there many, many years, and it's absolutely horrible to drive. Uh, and I was so embarrassed recently. We had another project we're working on is with uh, Chang and. Automotive, which is uh, one of China's largest domestic brand, but I had to pick them up in this minibus. Uh, so I was going to take my BMW, and then one more guy said he was joining the trip from from China, so I had to borrow the minibus to fit them all in. 
and it's a toy. Perhaps thought it was a bit rude to Ooh. throw one in the boot. Yeah, and I was like, should I cram them in my BMW? That would look better. But but I had to take the minibus, and it's a Toyota Hiace. 1997 or something and it's absolutely horrific diesel like one of those cars where the round thing in front of you doesn't seem to have any relation to the round things that actually tell it where to go and it's oh it's it's not even the Toyota Hiace is why I want autonomous cars it's that bad Okay. That's and the, and the bad. second worst car was a, the first Toyota Yaris. I drove one of those once, and that is awful. <gasps> You'll make Alan cry. The first Yaris is one of the worst cars I've ever driven. So oh, there we go. Sorry. Okay. No, but, no. I, but I was just. I apologise now sorry. for. You may need to mute Alan <laughs> on Twitter. Okay, sorry, for some, Alan. For some why. How can anyone like that car? I don't know. But Oh, <laughs> oh no, no. But no, my excuse right. is that's context, because I was jumping out of an MR2, and in contrast, the Yaris was, ooh, that was a big contrast. I couldn't believe it was okay. the same company. That okay, made we've them. gone controversial. So, okay, that's fine. So I, I'm going to move on now, move, because I know yeah, Alan's now weeping quietly. But it was in contrast, in- you know, with a very good handling car. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, and it did amazing miles per gallon, so fair enough. But I borrowed one for a weekend and used like a thimble of petrol. So fair, if, if he fair comes enough. back to you, if he when he comes fair back enough. to you about it, just ask him yeah. how many modifications he puts on Yaris's. What? Oh my god! I don't, I, yes. I, why is the question? But never mind. Don't, <laughs> we'll move don't on. go there. Don't, don't go there. You can't okay. polish. It. Okay. Yeah. So, let, let, right. <laughs> Moving quickly on, because um, again, I'm failing for talking. Yeah, go, go. Um, but what car would you like to own next? Ah, so I have a short list of three, and okay, I have the option of if I could dream of buying a new car. There are two mm-hmm. cars I'm currently interested in. But I can't really afford a new car, so I would go secondhand. But I, if if I'm buying new, uh, and in Finland we're talking in the sixty-five thousand euro range, which is about what about two million pounds. Yes, at the moment. which which is what my BMW would cost new actually. But there we go. Um, and I I would love a V ninety Volvo V ninety or Jaguar F Pace. So. And being oh, a Brit, uh, I would kind of love to fly the British flag and drive an F-Pace. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of design. Um, but it's it's a pretty, you know, heavy, it's a proper SUV in that sense. I'm less keen on it. So I think the V90 is currently my favorite uh, new car that I would buy if I had the money. But unfortunately, I don't. So I think my target, my genuine target for my next car, and I have a couple saved in my favorites of the Auto Trader style app here, <laughs> is BMW M5 Touring, the E65 model, is it? The Bangle one? So That's not an exactly dreadful choice. Oh, just my dream family car. <laughs> so M5 Touring is my dream family car. And there's a couple of those, there's two or three of those knocking around in Finland. They're really rare, but imagine a V10, 500 horsepower estate car. I mean, what's not to like about that? It's wonderful. You know, a, a so, debadged oh. Audi 
RS6 Avant oh, appeals to me intensely. But, but the, I know you but can't wife, have one of those. Wife, yeah. I know you can't have I, one of those, I, so I, I'll have it for you. <laughs> I offered this option once, and she said, but it's an Audi. So, end of story. <laughs> Quite. Yes. Right, yeah. next one. Uh, what is your favourite road to drive on? Yeah, uh, I've done the Evo. You've, you've got yeah. many countries to pick from. Yeah, and there's nothing good in Finland, frankly. They're all straight or gravel. So um, unless you're Tommy Mackinen, uh, <laughs> Finland doesn't really... And unless you mind repainting your car because you've stripped the paint with gravel, uh, it's not really a kind of driving road country. But So I, I have to call out roads in England or Scotland. And I've done the Evo Triangle a few, few times for my brother Stagdy. We did it in... I bought, again, another fun thing. I bought an MX-5 from eBay. Flew over to England, drove it around the Evo Triangle, sold it again on eBay. Uh, and it was free, basically. So the Evo Triangle is a wonderful place. Um, and that's the most recent place I've had fun in England. But I wrote this down for you. And it's a road... I don't think most of them have a number. But my favourite road is a road just outside my hometown called Highland Ferris, which is in Northamptonshire. Uh, and it's uh, it's where I learned to drive. Uh, it's the road I first started the engine of a car and drove a car on. And it's a little single-lane country road in the middle of nowhere in Northamptonshire. And my brother and I, we developed uh, a lap, a lot like the Evo Triangle, a very mm-hmm. triangular lap that we could do. It takes about 20 minutes. And this is what I spent my school days and at every car I've ever owned in England and my brother too, we take it back to this very special lap where we learn to drive (laughs) and we see what it does around the lap. So it's our very own Top Gear Evo Triangle test lap. And it's called, we call it the Yeldon lap because it drives through a tiny village called Yeldon, which is Y-E-L-D-O-N. And part of the road is the B645, for listeners interested. But seek it out. You, you go through the middle of the Elden, uh, and it's got some great bends and a little dip. And it's got an, uh, a completely sighted T-junction where you can see for miles. So if you're really sneaky, you can throw it in and drift it around the T-junction as you turn left at that T-junction. So... It's really fun. I, I now expect so. Alan to have <laughs> photographs of him and his Yaris on certain signposts now and sending them to you. In Yeldon, I would love to see a, a, a selfie in front of Yeldon Village sign. That would, that would make go, my Alan. day. That would make my day. You're, you're <laughs> the, uh, the gauntlet has been thrown, Alan. It's so, down to you now. So that is my favourite road uh, where I learned <laughs> to drive. Okay, then. Um, so what is the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience? Okay, I have one on the, one of the current cars I own. So I... I oh, yeah. <laughs> so the BMW is mine, and I wanted it to become mine, but my wife was using it. I, I, I can pretty much walk to work, so she uses it all the time. So I decided we need a second, needed a second car for her. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I decided we needed... In case she liked yours too yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why. So uh, 
I wanted a Fiat Coupe, and she was not keen on that. Said it was ugly. So, uh, yeah, blasphemy. So I was not allowed to buy her a Fiat Coupe, unfortunately. So uh, we looked at things she liked, which was a Volkswagen New Beetle, the cute one with the vase in the mm-hmm. dashboard. So this is what she wanted. Now, I, I, I didn't want to give money or real, actual money. How does the designer? Yeah. Uh, the designer in me, that is a really great design. I mean, in terms of compare it with the current new Beetle, which is awful. Uh, look Some at the, the squash roof. Is that's it? terrible. That thing. Uh, the 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 first new Beetle is brilliant. It is frankly brilliant, and it's designed by again, possibly the only non-Italian that we can talk of in the realm of Bangle. It's Jay Mays, uh, recently retired vice president of design at Ford. Uh, now, Jay Mays gave us the Audi TT, the Beetle, the Ford Mustang Resurrection, you know, the retro Mustang. Uh, you know, he saved Ford, he saved Volkswagen. <laughs> He's a legend. And he designed or worked on the project of the Beetle. So it's a fantastic piece of design, very geometric, but it's for women. <laughs> and uh, again, a lot like the C3, it's actually you know, seating position. So it's dimensionally for women. Yeah, a little bit. It's, Again. It, it, it's based on a Golf, and I mean, it's roughly a Golf or a TT chassis, you know, it's that platform, MQB mm. or something it's called. Uh, when I take, so we bought a Beetle anyway, this is a long version, it's the short version, and, and so, but I, 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 I got fussy about this too, and um, there are lots of Beetles for sale, and they're all 1.8, 2 litre, now, I spotted an extremely rare, and as far as I know, it's one. It's the only one in Finland, and it's a US model only, and it's called a Turbo S. So you can see where I'm going with this. So uh, it's the most powerful uh, Beetle, and it's got the Audi TT, you know, it's got the 1.8 turbo engine. Yeah. And the guy who had this before us, chipped it so it has 210 horsepower it's not lumpy in the winter by any chance uh, it? no it runs beautifully in the winter actually so it's been professionally <laughs> chipped apparently and, uh, not off ebay so it's been done professionally and it's got about 200 horsepower and it's also one of only 5,000 made uh and it's this turbo s model and it has a unique body kit that to look a lot, a little bit like a Porsche, and uh, anyway, it's, that, that's the one I went for. Of all the Beatles you could buy, I stupidly said, "No, I want that turbo one." If we're going to get one, if I have any say in it, now it's a bit of a lemon, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so you can you can imagine my car buy. So I bought this on sight unseen. We just bought it from a one online listing, like a couple of photos. Never saw it, never drove it, uh, had it delivered here, and it's a bit of a lemon. I mean, it's it's everything, every warning light that could come on has come on. And uh, and, and the, the, the reason I'm mentioning it is the useless feature, because if you didn't know, Beetle turbos uh, have a 911-style electric spoiler that comes up 
at a certain speed. Oh dear. Yes, oh dear. And uh, you know, this is how does, how, that, how does that work in the cold? Well, guess what? It's broken. So <laughs> the, the, the first, because this car, this car lived because it doesn't get cold in America. This, this car lived in Florida before coming here. Oh no! <laughs> and it, it, it got imported to northern Finland. Not even I'm living down in the south of Finland now, but it got imported up north. And yes, of course, the first winter with ice on it, it just tried to push itself up and pathetically destroyed itself, of course. Uh, so now I have not only... I mean, a, a pop-up spoiler on a build, Beetle is a stupid idea anyway, because it does, no one's ever going to drive it fast enough, are they? And it's also about three inches wide and made of plastic. So if it, it doesn't well, it's really... Make all the difference, I, I think it might, you know, in the same sense of stability at high speed, it does something, because it is quite a fast car, actually. But now mine is broken, so it's completely useless. And I've actually disconnected it. I've opened up the panels in the boot and disconnected it. It's a complete waste of time. So that's the most useless feature. On a Beetle in Finland, covered in five inches of snow constantly, is a pop-up spoiler. Waste of time. That's fair enough. That Frozen solid. Enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there we go. Okay, we then. There we go. That ends that. No, <laughs> absolutely. You do not need that. Yeah. Um, okay, then. Uh, who do you think I should talk to after I've spoken to you? Now, this is, this is a tough one because I'm actually quite, I'm quite new to following you. Uh, and I'm quite new to your crowd. I've noticed that my Twitter crowd as it were because it feeds you what you want to hear right so just like facebook and it's actually swapped since i've been doing car design stuff for a couple of years because i was in the games business before mm-hmm. and i was trying to promote my own business and my own game so i had lots of conversations about games businessy stuff you know uh and i'm really really happy to be having lots of conversations about car design now uh with people such as yourself um so it's actually quite tough because I've noticed a lot of people say you should talk to other followers of yours or people connected in this circle. Uh, so I don't know any people well enough yet to really say that. So I had a tough time with this. And I I didn't want to go down the route of sort of name dropping because I know some pretty famous designers. Well, you've done a bit of name so, dropping in the show, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, I do it a lot by accident, but <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I hate it because we're just mates that hung out getting drunk at college. No, well, that's fine. If you, if know, you want to say a... Um... Well, we've got two options here. I could either try and put you in touch with someone pretty you know high level in the design business if you like which i don't guarantee success with that um no it has to be somebody you you think would be would interesting enjoy yeah. coming on yeah. this show so um, because i i find so many people fascinating i mean you yeah. you've seen the show so far i mean yeah, this is only number 12 so there's there's such a wide variety of people is, I want is. to talk to because the motoring universe is so yeah. fascinating. So because there's so many different people, so you know it's who that's the direction I wanted to head. So, for example, a good buddy of mine is Miles Nuremberger, chief designer at Aston Martin. He's on Twitter. You know, that's one name drop I could just yeah get Miles to chat. You know, he's he's the guy at Aston Martin. Uh, but he has to be very careful publicly about what he says. At, at the level you get to there, 
you end up being, you know, a bit of a Formula One driver, a bit of a trained PR person. Yeah. You know? yeah. He's a he's a really top guy, Miles. Um, but because of his job, he would have to be quite careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so people like that, I could name drop like I just did. Sorry about that, but hey, Miles out there. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he. Oh, never mind. I could tell you some great fun stories about Miles when he's drunk and yeah. Anyway, that's <laughs> at, at university. So what what I wanted to do is give you a name of a guy in Finland that I've met in the last year or so. Um, who nobody will have ever heard of, but he's a car designer um, and just such a petrol head guy. I, his name is Jarno Lettinen, which is about as Finnish as it gets, right? Jarno. And uh, he, he has his own uh, design studio here in Finland. And I recently visited it. Um, he's about the same age as me. Uh, He's just a really lovely, lovely guy, uh, and I've already asked him if he'd be interested. He's a little busy right now, but that's who I would recommend. He doesn't use Twitter, um, okay. and he's just a sort of – the reason I want you to talk to him, Jarno is he's, he's such a petrol head guy. You know, his car studio, he's got a design studio, and I went there, and it's, it's a wonderful place. It's, he's got a giant wall-to-wall – a uh, 20-foot-wide poster of a Datsun 120Y or something. I don't even know which one. That that is his like favorite. He owns a two. Oh, I'm spoiling the chat. I just talked to him. He's such a petrol head guy. Well, no, I mean that's uh, part. Of the, that's part yeah. of the reason of this. You know, as you said before. Yeah. It's easy to get sucked into the the bubble of Twitter, and it's the the people I follow. Mm talk about the people I follow mm. or suggest the people mm. I follow. Yeah. And yes, there are, there are loads of people I follow that I really, really want to talk to. Yeah. But there are plenty of other people out there that yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so if you look at um, Top Gear magazine, uh, Tom Ford will, yeah. every, every so many um, articles will be about an interesting person. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, yeah. I knew Nir Khan beforehand yeah. through through Twitter. Yeah. But he, you know, he he talks about the story of people, and that's what I that's mm. who I really want to talk to. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to find out. I mean, I've had yeah. this fascinating conversation with you um, <laughs> tonight over this, and it's been brilliant because Thanks. I've I've been able to explore some topics I really wanted to. Yeah, um, because I feel very much a luddite. You know. Oh, that's that's who, me. Who skirts, that's me. skirts on the uh, the the edges of sort of understanding what design <laughs> is and stuff like yeah. that. But I but I'd like to hear from mm. someone who teaches it or someone mm. who studied it. You know what does design mean and that sort of thing. And it's been great to explore that. No and and part of this whole podcast, this whole second uh, podcast that I do with the Motoring Podcast is to is to find the interesting people out there and to mm. let other people know there are all these fascinating people <laughs> out there and yeah. we've got this opportunity through the internet and Twitter and everything else mm. that we can and I don't want to sound too twee but we can connect and we yeah. can have conversations it's... and we can interact and we can find out so much more yeah. which helps you know imagine Bangle now <laughs> That would be such a different experience exactly. 
yeah. because of the way Twitter is and social media and yeah. and the way he'd be able to get, if he was interested at all, but he'd be able <laughs> to get his own message across. This is the personally. thing people, you know, a misunderstood guy, because we just see what we see. Uh, yeah, because we car. get the press release. But behind we? the scenes... We, we get the press release yeah. of, here's the new car, yeah. and it's going to be wonderful. The thing that... and, and there isn't the ability to explain exactly. the story behind it. I would urge you to look up talks that he's given. It's very rare, but, you know, his insight is amazing. But I, I agree, I, I've had a great time, and I'm sat here, it's minus eight outside, it's snowing again. Um, I'm going to have to sweep all that off my car again in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've plugged both in, though, so I'm clever tonight. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been really nice chatting. And, and I think Jarno, let, let Jarno is the guy that I'd love you to have a chat to. He's, he's a really nice guy, and he's one of those um, car designers that you will never hear of. I mean, he's not allowed to speak about any of the secret work he's doing. He's at the coalface, as it were, you know? Mm. He, he's uh, one of those guys that does the real work. Uh, and it's not the the celebrity they push out on stage at the motor show, you know, which is, yeah. which is fine in terms of that is a really difficult job to do. Um, but it, but he's, a, he's a car designer and petrol runs through his veins and, and he's so finished and so cool. And uh, you'll, you'll love talking to him, I'm sure. So... Uh, he's not on Twitter, so what I need to do is try and try and get you connected, and and he'll be happy to do that. I hope, but he's really busy, awesome. and it might be maybe even after Christmas when he can do it. But wait and see. Uh, whenever, and cool. you know, I'm not going away. Excellent. Um, I'm I'm happy to uh, hassle people over and, a long term. Great. And now, and now your <laughs> listeners have heard of Jano Letten, and he's uh, he's a lovely guy. He used to work at Toyota in uh, France. And he has some stories about the Yaris, by the way. So you'll be fascinated uh, <laughs> about that. Um, and he, he now works freelance from Finland uh, as a car designer and is never, ever allowed to tell anyone about what he does, which is pretty fun kind of thing to try and skirt around. It's really, really fun. So um, Cool. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I mean, uh, thank you once again for coming on. But no what do, if people want to... Um follow what you do or get in touch what would yeah. be the best way to do that so uh what i should do now is promote my university you know it did you know it's still free to study in finland even if you're a foreigner wow. even if you're not eu so you brexit guys can still okay we're, do it. we're marching over now. there you go so entirely <laughs> free you just have to live here which is a little bit expensive but um and a little bit cold but, but yeah, if you want to follow it, so there's a couple of options on Twitter. So if anyone wants to follow me and my insane ramblings, usually about Formula One or smashing a hole in the, in the uh, front of my Beetle this morning, my wife's Beetle. But, so that's uh, Eclat521. So I'm named after the Lotus because the model I had was a 521. Uh, so that's Eclat, E-C-L-A-T-521. That's me on Twitter. But uh, my work uh, tweets, I, I tweet as if I represent the whole of my students and course. So that is at uh, Stance Lamk. So it's Stance L-A-M-K. Because L-A-M-K is a very difficult to say Finnish word for the, <laughs> for the school I work at. 
I think it, if I can try and say it, it's lati amatiko kikol, which means uh, vocational school of engineering or something. <laughs> but, okay. Um, so it's stance and then L-A-M-K, all, all one. Is there a gap in that? I can't remember if there's a gap. Well, I'll, I'll find the link yeah. uh, and I'll have those in the show notes. Let um, me just check. So- so that'll so, have that covered. But yeah, I don't think there's an underscore ending in that, So if I can remember. So those are the two accounts that I tweet from. And one is work and uh, lots of car design stuff. And one is my insane ramblings. So, um, you know, <laughs> pick, pick one of those and you can find me. The, the work thing, the stance lamp thing, we have Instagram, we have Facebook and all that. And I'm on Instagram too. Uh, if people are interested in that, I have a weird Instagram account that I call Crap Cars of Finland. So, uh, okay. where I got obsessed with photographing really rubbish, like 90s, mostly Yaris's. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's sort of uh, cars. Finnish people have pretty old cars and we keep them alive a long time over here. And they get a bit. Anyway. So, but it, it clap for t one or stance lamp on Twitter is the best way to follow what okay. I get up to. That's the best way. But there cool. you go. Well, thank you very much. No so, well, uh, I, I just need to round this out now by saying thank you once again for coming yeah. on. It's, it's been fascinating. I mean, I could, uh, I mean, we have <laughs> talked for quite a while here and I'm very yeah. sorry to keep you up so late. No, it's so, um, okay. But I, I could talk to you for days and days, quite happily. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so thank thank you so much for coming on. I no uh, really appreciate you doing that. Yeah, no problem. I've enjoyed it. It's good to chat it to a British voice. I wonder if my <laughs> my friends at home told me I have a really strange accent now because I think the finish rubs off on me a bit. So I hope everyone understood what I was saying. So <laughs> I have a slightly warped accent, but there you go. Lived here for 10 years. But yeah. Thanks very much, and uh, I'll be following what you get up to next, definitely. Oh, thank you, and yeah. uh, we'll uh, we'll make sure that we follow the Crap Cars of Finland now. Oh, God. Actually. No, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. There's not enough <laughs> bad cars where I live now. It's quite a good car town where I live now. Uh, oh. I, I started it in a less, you know, petrol head kind of place, but this is a good place to have a car design course. There's a lot of petrol running through the veins in my town. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Right, We'll look forward to uh, speaking to you again sometime. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks once again to Lee for coming on Rearview and chatting with me. I hope you found the second part of our conversation as fascinating as I did. If you want to suggest someone who you think we should talk to on this show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag RearviewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it on Motoring Podcast Towers. To get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. If you'd like to keep up to date with motoring news and opinions, go try out our sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening, and would request that you go leave a rating and review, preferably on iTunes. It really makes a difference to the show, and will help others find it. So until next time, that was Lee Walton, I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring. <laughs>